Do I stay or do I go? Man, that's a question you've probably asked yourself a hundred times if you're listening to this show. And we all know that the answer is not simple. Weighing the options isn't simple. But what if I could give you some insight to a tool that could help you with that answer that would also be a fundamental step in your healing process, whether you should stay or go or not? There's no doubt that the triggers that have brought you to this place have been compounding over time. So how did we get here? And how do we get out of this emotional turmoil and take a turning point to finally feel valued? This is Divorced and Determined AF, the show that empowers women to make aligned decisions before, during, and beyond divorce. My name is Jamie Milam, and I am determined to empower you to live the life you desire and deserve by making informed decisions and taking aligned action. Having and honoring healthy boundaries is a major component of aligned living. This skill alone will empower you to identify spaces that aren't valuing you and even your deal breakers so that you can make decisions that will support inner peace. So today, we really need to dive into how boundaries are a fundamental element to this turmoil that you might be feeling. How do we identify our boundaries, communicate them effectively, and honor them with follow-through? Well, to help me on this subject, I have Mary Brown joining me. Mary is a boundaries coach, and let me tell you, she is someone who now really understands the importance of boundaries. Growing up in a family of nine kids, she learned early on to take responsibility for other people's feelings by being instructed to stop what she was doing and check in on an upset sibling and help make them feel better. Well, fast forward to adulthood, and the marriage advice that she received was to take care of her husband, try and make him happy, and put his needs before her own, even when that meant that that's exactly what he would be doing for himself too. She realized the problem that occurs when you don't have boundaries is that you begin to feel resentful of the people around you, even those that you love. Then she became a mother, and the instant unconditional love that she had for her son taught her that even though he hadn't done anything yet to earn his worth, she knew exactly how valuable he was. In that moment, she realized that we are all born valuable. and You don't have to earn that treatment. We just have to start by valuing ourselves and changing the way we allow others to treat us. Y'all may be catching on by now, but I love conversations with women who recognize the fundamental principle that we must value ourselves first for anything else to fall into alignment. Easier said than done, y'all. And with that, before we begin, I just want to remind you that we have more support for you along this journey over in the resource library at peaceofminddivorce.info. The link for free access is in the show notes. Now, let's get started. Divorce is an overwhelming process that most of us did not know how to navigate until we were in the thick of it, which can cost us a lot more time, money, and energy than necessary. Divorced and Determined AF hopes to change that. I'm your host, Jamie Milam. I'm a realtor and a certified divorce specialist who not only works with divorcing couples when selling their home, but I am also divorced and I know firsthand how much having thorough resources would positively impact women for years to come. I'm bringing together fellow divorcees and experts working in the field to talk about this private taboo topic, all with the goal to help you feel prepared, educated, assured, confident, and empowered to make informed decisions related to your divorce journey. So whether you're just now considering a divorce, in the midst of it, 
or are now navigating a new norm and are determined AF to do it your way, this is your safe space. You deserve it. Mary, Mary, I am so glad that you are joining us today because I think this is a topic that we can't talk enough about. I think it doesn't matter if you're married, considering divorce or divorced or single, newly dating, it doesn't really matter. We all need boundaries, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't we do this? Let's start by defining a boundary. I think that's probably a good spot because in our culture right now, we're seeing a lot with social media. Uh, I feel like kind of over-exaggerating maybe what a boundary is almost to a degree that to me anyways, feels a little immature. Uh, And I will caveat that to say that I think that a boundary is really whatever it does mean to you, you know, uh, in terms of like, it's subjective. Not everybody has the same boundaries. But I do think that there are healthier guidelines for how to define what it is and what it isn't. So can we start there? Yes, for sure. So the academic definition of a boundary for people who like an official definition is the limits and guidelines that you set for yourself that determine what you will and will not participate in. So that's the technical definition. My favorite definition is actually by Brene Brown, and she defines boundary as what's okay for me and what's not okay for me. And I love that definition because it just makes it so easy to think about making a decision around, okay, this is what's okay for me and this is what's not okay for me. I love Brene Brown first and foremost, and I love her book, Atlas of the Heart. That Mm -hmm. was such a great book to help discover different emotions So I I think that's a really great way for you to phrase that is what the academic version is. And then here's what the easy everyday, what is it for me? What am I okay with? What am I not okay with? But at the same time, it sounds so much easier said than done. Mm -hmm. So why do you think it is, Mary, that so many women struggle to create and uphold boundaries and maybe even struggle identifying what they are okay with and what they're not okay with? Well, what I see is that there's a few different reasons. One is that we are used to putting other people's needs above our own and we don't value ourselves enough to understand that I'm a human being. I'm inherently valuable. Therefore, my needs, my wants are equally valuable as everyone else's. So that's kind of what's at the root of that part of it. The second part I see is that we want other people to be happy. We don't want anyone that we care about or even don't care about sometimes to experience any negative emotions. So we are afraid to disappoint people. We believe that it's our job to make our children happy. We believe that it's our job to take care of our husbands and When we have those types of beliefs underneath there, then it becomes even more difficult for us to have boundaries. Makes sense. I want to reiterate something that you said so that the listeners can hear that again. The first part of why we struggle with creating boundaries is because we don't value ourselves enough. Mm -hmm. I really think that there's so much truth in that statement at the root of things, because if we don't see ourselves as deserving 
of putting our needs and our desires, like you said, at or equal to those of others, well, then how can we ever expect anybody else to treat us the same way? If we don't value ourselves first, we're certainly not going to receive that in a most fulfilling way from any other outside party. And then that second part, yeah, we we want people to like us, whether we consider ourselves a people pleaser or not. At the end of the day, we don't like to create friction most often times. Sure, some people are okay with conflict, but it doesn't mean that they like to create it. So I, I think pointing those two things out is a really great starting point. So let's kind of navigate through this then. If we know now what an actual boundary is and maybe why we struggle with them, how do we actually go about discovering and identify what our own personal actual boundaries are at a true foundational level? Mm -hmm. So the foundation around boundary skills is around self-esteem, right? So if we think about self-esteem as how we think and feel about ourselves, then there are two main parts to that. One is our self-worth, which we just touched on, right? That we're born inherently valuable, that all humans are equally valuable, that our value to us is given the day we're born, so we don't have to earn it anymore. And the second part of that is self-confidence. And self-confidence, we develop over time. So there's a myth out there that some people are confident and some people aren't like, oh, I just don't have confidence. Like it's like a character quality that some people just have. And that's not true. Confidence is built over time as we make and keep commitments to ourselves. So how confidence works is we make a commitment, we keep a commitment, and then we learn to trust ourselves. And then we make another commitment. And we keep that commitment and we learn to trust ourselves. And we do that over and over until we learn that I can depend on me. So we start with building our self-esteem enough to the place where we can clearly see ourselves with human needs, thoughts, feelings, the same as everyone else. And then we can make decisions about what our boundaries are. How do you go about building that self-esteem element? And especially given the audience that we have listening, you know, self-esteem can be torn down even if you entered into your marriage with what you felt was positive self-esteem. So how do we go about rebuilding our self-esteem? Mm -hmm. So the good news about self-confidence being built over time is that we can improve our self-confidence. And we do that by making a commitment and keeping the commitments we have to ourselves. So our confidence comes over time just as we do what we say we're going to do. So if I tell myself I'm going to go on a walk five days a week, and then I actually go on a walk five days a week, then I learn to trust myself that I'm going to keep that appointment with myself right? So that's one way that we build confidence. And self-esteem, if you think about it like, like a math equation, so self-esteem, how we think and feel about ourselves, is equal to self-confidence that we build by keeping our commitments to ourselves, plus self-worth, which is given to us. We just have to understand our self-worth. We don't have to do anything. We just have to understand that we're already valuable which propels us to build our confidence and then in turn our self-esteem. Okay. I'm going to ask you this. 
Yeah. Would you say that self-awareness plays a role in that equation? Sure. Yeah. I mean, self-awareness always is going to play a role in any of your personal development equations. <laughs> I would say it plays a role in every equation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just think that it's hard for us to identify these parts of of ourselves that we we want to make a commitment around or that we want to build that, you know, time over task of saying, ooh, I am worthy of having this need met. And we can't do that if we don't pay attention to what our body is telling us when there's some sort of internal friction or some sort of conflict with values, you know, take time to dig into that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I kind of want to take that element, that self-awareness piece, because I agree, the more that you practice self-awareness, period, the easier alignment becomes, the easier holding boundaries becomes, the easier communicating around your boundaries becomes. So the more that you practice any of this, the more they build upon one another. And I feel like our listeners especially if they're in that struggle phase before deciding a divorce. I mean, we could go so many different ways around this, you know, even dating after divorce, but it's if we're stuck in that space that is extremely a torturous phase of do I stay or do I go? If we think about boundaries in place, and I know you and I have talked about how sometimes women specifically kind of ask those questions, like what boundaries would I need to have in place to see that I want to stay married or what are my ideal breakers uh, that would kind of tell me that I think it's time that I want to choose to end my marriage. Both of those things include boundaries. So how can we really identify that within ourselves to help us navigate that question? Do I stay or do I go? Mm -hmm. So when we're thinking about our boundaries, really the question is, what am I willing to do and what am I not willing to do? right? How am I willing to participate? How am I not willing to participate? And so a tool that I offer people is just like a simple T-chart. If you think about taking out a piece of paper and you write one line down the middle and one line across the top, so you have two columns. And on one side, you might use that Brene Brown language where you say like, this is what I'm okay with, or this is what I'm willing to to do. And on the other side, it's, this is what I'm not okay with. And this is what I'm not willing to do. And then you just flush out which side of things feels right to you. So you do have to have enough awareness around when I am feeling comfortable, when I am feeling aligned, when I'm living the way that I want to live, how do I know is really the question. Like, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? Where do I feel it in my body when I'm in a space of being comfortable and compared to how do I know when I'm not feeling comfortable, right? So if I'm not feeling comfortable, what you might see for me is a fast heartbeat. That's how I would feel it inside. Or even like looking for exits, like, oh, I kind of want to get out of here. Or I might be shutting down or I might be talking too fast. So have you have to have awareness around this is when I am comfortable, this is when I'm not comfortable. And then you get that T chart out and be able to say, okay, so under these conditions, I would stay married. And under these conditions, I would end my marriage. 
And you get to decide what that is for you. I'm not here to shit on anybody, right? I'm not going to tell them (laughs) what they should or shouldn't do. But I do want every person, especially every woman, to get clear about what they're willing to do and not do and feel empowered to make a decision about that. And what space they're willing to stay in or not stay in, right? And I I know that that's just an extension of what I'm willing to do, not willing to do. Mm -hmm. But an example might be that if you are doing a lot of active self-work and you are starting to do this work to somatically notice where in your body you're starting to recognize tension or that, oof, like something doesn't feel right here or I'm starting to get really elevated and triggered and I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to keep this conversation going in a healthy and effective manner. Or you start to notice your tonality changing and your verbiage changing. Those are real cues to say, okay, I think I need to pause this conversation and come back to it. And so then if you can communicate that and the other party is still just coming at you, no, I want to, I want to keep going now. Oh, you're just going to walk away. Like, oh, we can't finish it. If that is something that you're being met with, and sometimes this takes a lot of control, ladies, it takes a lot of self-control and patience, and that can feel really frustrating, but it does build that self-esteem because you tell yourself, I'm not, I'm not willing to keep sitting in this conversation if I'm not going to show up the version of myself that I I want to show up as. This isn't about meeting their expectations to stay in the conversation. It's about protecting my peace and giving myself room to step away to try to identify what is triggering me and how can I come back into this conversation and be able to effectively communicate my way through it. And so sometimes that is an indication of what goes on those T-charts, right? It might be then, okay, if, if when I communicate a boundary or a need to step away and it's not being met, that might go on one side of your uh, T-chart versus the other. And I hear what you're saying. We're, we're definitely not here to say these top 10 things should be on the left-hand side and the top mm-hmm. 10 things should be on the right-hand side. I mean, there are certain things that are standards, right? Like we all deserve to be in a physically safe environment. We all deserve and are worthy of being spoken to with respect. But I think one of the things, and I started to allude to this, Mary, is that I have worked on a lot over the past few years is really improving my effective communication skills. And I'm definitely realizing how important it is to actually communicate through any issue or concern. I find that when we talk about marriage, there's a couple of common phrases. Oh, marriage is a compromise. Pick and choose your battles. But I... I've come to the belief that I think that if you can effectively communicate through even the little things, then those little things don't become the big things and you're kind of squashing that up front. And so the same would be true, especially true, actually, when it comes to communicating your boundaries, because how else would anybody else know it's a boundary if you don't communicate it? So Mm -hmm. what are some ways that we can effectively communicate a boundary once we've identified them. Yes. So before we move on, I do want to offer just one tip or tool about how we find out what our specific boundary is when we're having awareness about some dysregulation, right? So when you feel like you need to pause the conversation because you're noticing even somatically or 
you have awareness around this doesn't feel comfortable or safe for me right now, I invite you to take a pause and ask yourself this question. What's the matter, love? Some kind of curious and self-compassionate inquiry around what is the matter. And that often will get us to a place of figuring out what is the boundary that's not being respected right now, right? So back to the communication, once we've discovered what it is, the next step is to communicate it. And I'd love to just share an example. So one of my boundaries around communication specifically is no name calling, okay? What that means is I'm not going to call someone names and I'm not going to be in a conversation where name calling happens. I'm not going to participate in a conversation where I'm being called names. I'm also not going to participate in a conversation where other people are being called names. I believe that's like character attacking and it's not respectful. So that's not okay for me. So if my partner and I are having a conversation and name calling happens, then it is my responsibility to uphold my boundary. And so I might communicate that by saying something like, hey, time out. You just said I'm being this. That feels like name calling, which is not okay for me. So I'm going to end this conversation and go take care of myself because I've been wounded by your behavior. So I'm going to go practice some self-care. And I will let you know when I think I'm ready to engage in another conversation. You let me know when you think you're ready to engage in another conversation. And when we can both be regulated, then we may choose to resume this conversation. Does that make sense? Yeah, because you, you did say that. It's it's your responsibility to communicate it, even if you've communicated it in the past, right? I would imagine that your spouse probably knows like she does not like name calling. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, in some relationships, you may have a partner who knows those buttons to push mm -hmm. and gets you elevated. And without that skill set to be able to recognize the trigger and then take the pause and uphold your own boundary, then we're just teaching them that they can continue to walk all over us, that our boundaries don't really mean much. And so then how can we also teach them that all boundaries matter to us rather than leaving it up to them to pick and choose which boundaries? So we have to start with that. And even if we've communicated it in the past, it's our responsibility to communicate it anytime we are feeling triggered or dysregulated. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's important. You know, my communication motto it's the number one thing that I had heard from my marriage therapist, and I've added to it since. But my communication motto is stay true to yourself and honest with others without throwing blame or shame at myself or at them. Mm -hmm. And because like you said, whenever you're hearing name calling, it can sound like finger pointing. It can sound like being degraded. And depending on somebody's past experiences, that could be triggering this old wound. And it just immediately sends you to a space that I can't really hear everything else you're saying because I don't know if you're seeing me or, or if you know me right now that mm. this is not feeling like respect for me. 
So another way, another way that we could communicate that if you are in a marriage situation, you could say something like, hey, I love you and I want to feel love for you. When you fill in the blank, when this thing happens, I feel this and be honest about what your feeling is, right? Mm-hmm. I am. I might feel angry. I might feel sad. I might feel worried. I might feel disgusted even, right? And I don't want to feel this negative way about you or about our relationship. And so I'm requesting that you need to ask them what you would like them to do different. I'm mm-hmm. requested that you don't come home drunk and, I don't know, lose control of your <laughs> yourself that way, right? Because that's not attractive to me. I'm requesting that you don't do this thing. And if this happens, you need an if-then statement. If this happens, then this is how I will follow through to respect and honor myself. We have to be really careful that the if-then statement is for us. It's not for controlling another person. But if fill in the blank, this happens, then I can and will fill in the blank. And the follow through needs to be a plan for my self-care. So with these if-then statements, are these statements that she is creating for herself and then communicating with her partner? Or is it something that is an internal process that we, we then know and we are following through for ourselves? That's a great question. So most of the time, my if-then statement is only for me. I don't go around telling people if-then, if-then, if-then like that, but I need to know for me. Most of our boundaries are never communicated. So I've never said, hey, if you punch me in the face, (laughs) which is a boundary of mine, right? If you punch me in the face, then I'm going to leave, get myself to a safe place, call the police (laughs) and let them do a criminal investigation and cooperate with that, right? That is true for me. Like if someone punches me in the face, that is what I will do. But that's an if-then statement that I have for myself. I've never actually said to someone, right? (laughs) Well, I feel honored. (laughs) Let me take that opportunity to kind of even move this into that phase of that's women before divorce, but even during divorce. I feel like when you're in the process, whether it's in the separation process, whether it is post-final divorce, and especially when children are involved and we have to have an ongoing relationship of sorts with our soon-to-be or our recent ex, that is where conflict can happen a lot over boundaries. I mean, just a fast example of one I hear a lot in some of the groups I'm in, when it comes to one parent picking up the children and they don't want to stay in their vehicle or they don't want to abide by the agreed upon place for child swap and they'll come to the front door and then they'll try to kind of let themselves in. And this feels immediately like, well, we've already communicated that the kids will come out to the car in the driveway to meet you there. And yet you just keep on coming. And oftentimes women feel like they don't have any options here because Mm -hmm. the court process may have already been done. And then, of course, that means I have to pay to have things amended. 
But if we practice a skill set of coming from a place of a neutral ground with communication, we may actually be able to work through some of that. So I guess, how do you start to communicate a boundary when there is conflict involved? How can you go about that? Are there any healthy tips that you have for that? Yeah, for sure. I think really clear language about like, this is what I'm able and willing to do. This is what I'm not able and willing to do. This is what I'm asking of you. This is how I suggest we move forward, right? So very, very clear. I'm thinking of when I first got divorced, I had to set boundaries and it took a long time to establish them. And I had this conversation many, many times. Don't expect this to be a one-time conversation. You're going to have the same conversation many times with the same person. And I would say over and over and over this same conversation. And it was like this. I honor you and respect you as my children's father. I am willing to talk to you about direct care of our children. I am not willing to talk to you about finances. I'm not willing to talk to you about what I'm doing when I don't have the kids. I'm not willing to talk to you about what you heard from so-and-so about me. These topics I'm not willing to discuss with you. I am only willing to talk to you about direct care of our children. And I'm requesting that you only bring up topics around care of our children. If you ask me, try to discuss what am I doing with this child support that you paid me last week? (laughs) I will tell you that I'm not going to discuss that with you. Right. And I will end our conversation. So I have that same conversation and I'm not kidding for months and months with the same person until I felt very comfortable and confident saying it. It was like memorized. Like I can still think of it. And this was years ago. And <laughs> and until it actually stuck and the person understood like every time I bring this up, this is what she's going to tell me. Right. And I didn't have to have the full conversation after a while. I'd be like, oh, what does that have to do with care of my children? Okay, let's move on. Right. Like, <laughs> Well, and here's the thing is, if you can practice this and create a good, healthy habit in this space of conflict, Mm -hmm. ladies, you can do it almost in any space, I assure you. My ex-husband was my best teacher. He was my professor. Yeah. My therapist (laughs) likes to say, what's the opportunity in this struggle that is going to teach you a little bit more about yourself that you could take moving forward? And honestly, in the beginning, I was like, are you kidding me? But now it's (laughs) obvious to me how much that is the case in in any dynamic, right? And on the flip side of that, I also want to point out here, because I'm never here to say that our side is the best side. Here's something that I consider, because one of my boundaries is, Do not text me about some big thing via text at the beginning of a day, like or at any point in my work day. If you need to talk to me about something that is important that has to do with the shared care of my son, then please text me and ask me for a time that I am available to speak. Because for me, if I see this message during the day, And I'm in sales, so oftentimes my mood, definitely, I I have to create boundaries around my space before I go on to listing appointments or before I am sitting with clients for the afternoon because I have to compartmentalize that. 
And yes, there are things that I do to kind of have control a bit over it myself. Like I silence notifications from his phone number. So that way I'm not just getting notified of them. But on the flip side of this is there have been times that I have considered sending him a message in the middle of the day when something has come up immediately that I'm frustrated with that I've just discovered. And I had to stop to say, am I treating him the way that I would want to be treated? Am I crossing my own boundary on the other side? And I understand that it might not be his boundary. He may not have communicated that. But for me, it's an additional way for me to teach people how to treat me and that I'm willing to give you the same respect. But I also think that there there can really be a fine line. And tell me if you agree, Mary, because we all see things through our own lens. And sometimes we may feel that somebody is intentionally crossing a boundary or maybe we're feeling like they're just ignoring something that we've asked of them. And and we may be wrong. We're just taking in our own perspective. So how could we maybe identify if someone is actually crossing that boundary and is there a way to determine if it's in a disrespectful manner or not? Does that make sense? Yes, for sure. So I have a couple of thoughts. One is our boundaries are for us. My boundaries are for me. Your boundaries are for you. So what boundaries are not are a way to control or manipulate other people. And so we have to check ourselves to make sure, is this boundary the way that I'm can and will show up to honor myself? Or am I trying to change someone else's behavior towards me? So can I use that example about like, don't text me in the day? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause I hear this a lot. So the, the boundary is not don't text me during the day. The boundary is I'm not going to receive text messages during the day. It's a slight difference, but it really does make a, a difference. It makes a difference because, because oh, go ahead. <laughs> well, it does make a difference. You're right because it is. It's a matter of phrasing it in, uh, in in the angle of what are we in control over, yeah. right? So I cannot control if he will or will not text me. If he will or will not uphold this boundary, all I can control is the one little setting I have on my phone that says not to notify me that it silences notifications. So that way, if I do see a message from him, then it is in my control whether I click on it and read it or not. And then however I react to whatever it is that I read, be it that he didn't follow through with what I was hoping, well, then now that's my responsibility because I shouldn't have clicked on it maybe, right? And however I'm feeling about that is not his responsibility to manage my emotions over that. And by not replying to him immediately continues to show him, I am not addressing these issues during my Mm workday. They will be put off until the evening when I am prepared. Yes. And that really sounds like a healthy boundary, right? Like I'm available to, well, first of all, my perspective is if you have something that's urgent during the workday, I want a phone call. So that's my request, right? Just like the school's right? Like I, I don't love when I get a million emails from the school or like a voice message that's not urgent. If, if the school is calling me during the day, I assume my child is hurt on the playground 
right? (laughs) I need to go get them. (laughs) Please respect my time. (laughs) Teachers, do not send out automated messages in the middle of the day. (laughs) And similarly, right? If my child is with their father and something is urgent, then I want them to call me. I want to be notified. If it's not urgent, then this is when I would like to be notified. Like we got to teach people how to treat us. I love that we're actually working through this real time because what we are getting to see is how Jamie even wants to communicate it kind of in her fiery space. (laughs) But in reality, I do know that I've done a lot of that work to say to him, to, to be frank, that the way that I have communicated my boundary and my expectation is if you have something that is not urgent, but that is a deeper, you know, conversation that we need to have about our son. Can you just send me a message asking me when is a good time for us to set up a call Mm -hmm. if it's not urgent? And it's the same with him. I'll message him and say, hey, do you have some time later this week or do you have time later this evening to have a conversation? I could use 20 minutes to chat with you. And just to try to kind of set those expectations that I need to be in that headspace, right? It helps me rather than it being sprung on me. Um, and just like any time we have conversations on the phone, if if I am going to deviate from what the original conversation was, if something else was there that I wanted to bring up, I might say, I actually also wanted to chat with you about X, Y, Z. Is this a good time now to dive into that? Or would you rather have some prep time and we can discuss it tomorrow or something? Mm-hmm. Because I know how much the two of us both, we don't like to just kind of be sprung on these aspects, even though it's usually way easier if we can just knock it out. But I have found that if I do communicate in this manner, I'm usually met with a lot more cooperation because it feels like on the other side of in him receiving it, it feels like I am giving consideration to his time, his emotional space, that I you know, I don't know what he's going through. I don't know what his work week has been like. I don't know what his work day has been like. If he's not in a great headspace, I would like to give him the opportunity to give that consideration. Now, if he chooses to ignore that and dive right into the conversation anyways, I still know that it's not my responsibility to take on, you know, any projection of friction, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Um, But it does take time to practice these things and to learn ways that you can communicate a little bit more clearly. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes people don't realize that something we've requested is actually a strong boundary of ours unless we do continue to reiterate it in a healthy way, which is not sounding like, how many times do I have to tell you? (laughs) Y'all, that was Jamie's real tone. How many times do I have to tell you? Or haven't I told you this before? Why do you continue to ignore me? You know, those all sound like pointing finger statements and tonality. And I'm very aware that as I say this, tonality is one of the number one things that has been brought to my attention over the years about myself. And I've had to learn how to regulate that on my end so that I can be received the way that I intend. Um, at least to the best that I can control. But it does go back to effective communication. It doesn't always mean that they are intentionally trying to disrespect you or manipulate you or control you or push your buttons. I'd love to just offer (laughs) one little tip about 
giving people the benefit of the doubt. So when you were talking about intention, we want to make the best assumptions of people and that makes us more compassionate. So if someone's not following a boundary that I have for myself, one question that I can ask myself is what might be going on for that person as a human, having a human experience, what might they be thinking, feeling that's contributing to their behavior? It doesn't make it okay, but it makes me more compassionate. And we're not making excuses because it's still not okay, but it helps me to have compassion for them. So that's kind of my thoughts around that. Yeah. I, I think we've covered a lot around what boundaries are and, you know, how do we identify them? How do we communicate them? Uh, and really, how do we follow through with them and, and honor them for ourselves? And it sounds to me that if we do this time and time again, then we are building that practice of self-esteem and having confidence in ourselves and learning to value ourselves a little bit more. Are there any parting words that you would want to leave with the ladies in terms of really starting to create a life that honors what we need as it comes to boundaries? Mm -hmm. So my message to women is always that they are valuable. So ladies, you are valuable. Uh, you were born valuable. You don't have to do anything to earn your worth. In fact, the things that you do or don't do can never change that. So just understanding that every human comes to earth inherently valuable. So your self-worth is already given to you and you just get to build your confidence by keeping the commitments that you make to yourself. Very beautiful. Thank you for being here today, Mary. I'm so glad that we had this conversation together. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Well, ladies, let's recap this real quick. Mary shared with us her favorite simplified definition of a boundary, which is simply what's okay for me and what's not okay for me. When we're living in a space of permitting behavior that's not okay with us, then we're living in a space that doesn't support us feeling valued. The foundation of even being able to identify our boundaries is practicing self-awareness to notice when your body is giving you the physical signs of discomfort. You can ask yourself, what's the matter, love? To help you figure out what the boundary is that's not being respected in that moment, so then you can move into effectively communicating what the behavior is that's happening, how it's making you feel, and what you would like for them to do differently. And then you follow through with that set expectation with some if-then statements, which by following through with your internal if-then statements, you're rebuilding your self-confidence, which is half the equation for rebuilding your self-esteem. The other half, well, ladies, you were born with it. It's your self-worth, which as a reminder, you do not have to earn that. You are inherently valuable. So Mary has offered a free quiz that helps you learn what your boundary strengths are, the challenges, and what next steps could support you. The link for that quiz is in the show notes. And again, ladies, if you are looking for additional divorce-related resources and mindset support, then visit peaceofmindivorce.info now so that you can access our full resource library that is constantly growing. All you have to do is go to peaceofmindivorce.info and sign up for free today. The link is in the show notes.